1: I had a really hard time, like, functionally depressed for a few years. Who am I? My identity is Christine Chang, (sighs) celebrity wedding photographer. And I'm confident in this area, right? And like you said, the money. And then all of a sudden, I know my truth. Like, I know it was time to step away from that. I just didn't know what that looked like.
0: Hi, my name is Mark Groves, and I'm obsessed with understanding human behavior and why we do what we do. In this podcast, I interview the world's most brilliant minds and hearts, where I get to explore, alongside you, every subject you can imagine relating to our human experience and how we relate. It is my deepest intention that we all learn how to create the life and love that we've always dreamt of. Now, before we get rolling, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And one ask that I have, and an amazing way that you can help support the podcast, is by wherever you listen to it, giving it a five-star review and a written review. With all that said, let's dive in and transform our lives. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. Today, joined by returning guest, Christine <laughs> Chang, whose work has been quite an evolution. Last time you came on, we talked about finding partners. For, yeah, it was my book, Show yeah. Up,
1: Finding Love for Independent Women. I think that was my first podcast ever. Was it really? Ever. You crushed
0: I, it. Uh, <laughs>
1: Thanks to your editor. I'm sorry, editor. She probably took out all the like, you know, so like all the filler words because I didn't realize I did it until I started doing podcasts more.
0: Oh, man. When I say them as I'm talking, sometimes I was about to say I'm like, fuck. Yeah. You really recognize your own intonations when you listen and your filler words and all the stuff. Yeah, when we get nervous, which totally. is so human, anyways.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm learning to be more okay with that. I I have a friend, mutual friend, Vasvi. She's like, I'm going to encourage you to not edit your podcast because the people who resonate with you will like how you think and like how you talk. But I for me, that. like, like, and you know, like, some of them are okay. I just sometimes I say it a lot, so I like to be mindful
0: it's just normal. It's normal <laughs> as we're just trying to process words. I think also when we're having conversations that maybe we don't necessarily have a lot or we haven't practiced yet, Yeah, we're trying to put the right words in the right order. And that's so important. And we also need the grace of editors and <laughs> friends and people who are compassionate and not reactive to words being placed in order. I think that's such an interesting thing about today's world is that there is so much reactivity which makes sense because there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of a lot of a lot of things that we don't really offer a lot of grace and then we often don't even try to say anything because we're so afraid of being attacked or get it wrong and it's yeah we could all use a little more gentleness, i think
1: oh for sure i try to check myself i mean it's it's hard like we just came off two years of you know there's a lot of stuff that came up Especially on social media platforms, which my husband always reminds me. He's like, this is not the ideal platform to have these kind of conversations. <laughs> these conversations. So true. He's so smart. He's not even on social he media. He should be on
0: his podcast. <laughs> Why isn't he the host?
1: He's so wise.
0: He really he, is. He it's is. It's like, instead of what would Jesus do, I'm just going to be like, what would Pete do?
1: No, really. He is like, if I can be a little bit more like him, he's such a simple guy. Bikes to his friends' houses. They play soccer religiously twice a week. Like, he doesn't— He's very present. He's very present. He's very mindful. He's going to die a happy guy. And I balance that with having—how I'm different is I also have, like, big ambition, goals. Like, I like entertainment and things like that, which I think is important to have. That's part of me. But he always reels it back in. I think he
0: balances you very well. Yeah.
1: So anyways, those kind of conversations online especially. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Are, not the place. It's not, not, not the with the stranger. I think what I've learned a lot in the last three years, but also in the last seven, you know, the time on when social media has really had much more of a place in our lives beyond Facebook, which I think there's more dead people on Facebook than alive now. Isn't right. that something true like that?
1: I I wouldn't be surprised, right?
0: Like you could feel it. You go on there and it's like just a graveyard. But <laughs> I I think I've been I've been very aware when you listen to someone like Brene Brown say, like if you're not in the arena, I don't have time for you. And when someone with like a cat profile picture or like no picture it's comes noise. knocking at my door, yeah. it's like get unanonymous an and then we'll have a conversation because it's when you're trying to have dialogue and communicate about things, it is a large social risk, so physiologically.
1: Yeah, I. it makes me more sad than anything. I'm like, there's a lot of unhappy, like, yeah. unconscious, unhealed people. Not saying I'm fully healed and perfect, but some of the stuff that's said, it. Oh I just, I Lord. find it really sad. And my sister always reminds me, like, the internet's like the garbage disposal of people's <laughs>
0: It really, is. and
1: sometimes it's so dumb you don't you can't even take it personal. But sometimes it digs, and I'm like, God, that's mean. That's people are savage, really like, mean. I
0: think the the people hiding generally they're hiding. They're not their actual people. Mm-hmm. Their actual selves. They go at your soul, and that's why you're so right. We have to be mindful and aware. We have to Peterize it. That we that's a new verb now. We're gonna Peterize <laughs> and just be mindful that these places. And these people are not our closest circle. Like if you give me a reflection of feedback, I do really value it. If Mr. Cat in a Hat on Instagram gives me feedback, not really going to place value in it. You know, not to say that I haven't gotten great reflections from people I don't know mm-hmm. on the internet, but I really, I think Seth Godin is the one who reminded me of that when I was listening to his, one of his books where he was saying like, you can discard unvaluable feedback. I think we forget that. I think because we're social species, right? It's so easy to, like, how are we structured to listen to the opinion of 10,000 people, 10, you know, a 1,000, a million?
1: Yeah, it's not natural.
0: (sighs) Like the nervous system, the need to be liked, that's had to die for me.
1: Oh, yeah. It's
0: dying a slow death.
1: Yeah, I knew that. That was my fear. Well, I knew it. I'm like, this is something I'm going to have to work on when I decided to— start a podcast, yeah. put my book out there, put my photo on the book. I said, I'm going to get criticism and I'm going to have to learn to deal with it And help healthy You do a good way. job.
0: Thanks. I saw you confront something the other day and I was like, Did Cece, <laughs> crushing it. So to give some context to you uh, watching or listening, CC Christine Chang, that's the abbreviation. We have known each other for 10 years?
1: Probably o- over 10 years.
0: Yeah. So like I met Christine at a festival. A-Fest. Yeah, A-Fest, Awesomeness Fest, and uh, became fast friends. And you knew me when I was just starting, like when I was just birthing things. We went to a lot of events together. Yes. And uh, shot my first headshots ever. (laughs) Yes, I did. I think some of those are still circulating. Yeah. uh, Where I have less gray in my beard. (laughs) And your evolution from like renowned wedding photographer to then this desire to move into the space of teaching relationship and like talk about a leap off a cliff from like successful certainty, know that you're going to make money a certain way, know that you can make great money that way, have a great life, travel to like, oh wait, this I'm really passionate about. I'm going into that. Goodbye, certain career that I could go back to if I needed to, but goodbye. Like, what was that like?
1: That's, I feel like we need to talk about this more because no one gave me a heads up that when you enter your 40s and you start to think, what do I really want to do with my life? A lot of people, they do start to think about that around the, the age that we're at. And I had a really hard time, like functionally depressed for a few years. Who am I? My identity is Christine Chang, <laughs> right. celebrity wedding photographer. And I'm confident in this area, right? And like you said, the money. And then all of a sudden... I know my truth. Like, I know it was time to step away yeah. from that. I just didn't know what that looked like. And now I'm still in transition. So with the with the book and my podcast, with my podcast, I'm actually shifting it a little bit. I'm going through changes. I like to laugh, actually, at all things. You know, I have depth, too. But I think I like to—I like meeting with people and just laughing. Yeah. Does it always have to be so deep and analytical? Can we just fucking— talk about stupid shit sometimes so I want to record (laughs) Ah, a pilot (laughs) with a comedian of a friend of mine very soon I'll be out soon and I realized that with the book and my evolution you know talking about dating and relationships is an interest of mine and it's a slice of me but it's not all of me yeah as I've been navigating this more talking to a therapist and just learning by doing you know, I realized like, is this something I want to be known for? Dating coach, coach actually never resonated with yeah,
0: me. Yeah, never resonated with me either.
1: Isn't that funny? What made
0: me? No offense to people who call themselves that or or sought that certification. Some
1: people are fantastic at it. I
0: think it's a great name for somebody who wants it.
1: Absolutely, I think I chose it because it seems like the more practical route. Because I like to think like, <laughs> yeah. what do I like, but also can this make money? And mm. so I thought I was thinking a little more linear and a little more practical when I cited that. And it's also a coping mechanism for me when the pandemic started. Let me throw myself into work. I published my book within three months and got it on Amazon,
0: which is savage. <laughs>
1: That's, I, I didn't have time for anyone who was bitching, gloom, doom. My, I, I inherited it from my parents the refugees from Vietnam and Cambodia. Okay, let's get to work. So like, I was like, I'm gonna hustle dive culture. Into let's work. do it. Let's yeah. do it. There's no. Did
0: fuck. you have Gary V playing in your ear?
1: I oh, I would listen. to <laughs>
0: oh, would you know all the
1: time? Just <laughs> he's gloom, like your doom.
0: spirit animal. Just a little bobblehead <laughs> Gary. Like you have more time. You you can do this get up earlier stay up later <laughs> you're going to be nothing he's changed his tune a lot though i think because it got so much pushback from the yeah. sort of perpetuation of hustle culture you know it's it inter- it's interesting though because you know in the there is obviously important value to working very hard to create things in our lives And then there's this opposite of like, oh, life's just going to come to me because I created a vision board and I can, I don't have to do anything. And it's like, it's this interesting balance where I think there's, we're in the middle of a clash between generations where like baby boomers are like, millennials are so in Gen Z, fucking lazy. And I'm like, they're not actually, I mean, some of them are, but some of you are, you know? So it's like this really, I don't know why we get to be in the middle as the ref. I'm (laughs) sure they're saying about us, these people are lazy too. (laughs) But in that transition that you're talking about from certainty to uncertainty, and then how did you know, <laughs> that's maybe a dangerous question, but like, why, when was enough enough that you could leave predictable, profitable certainty? Like how did, like where you were like, I have no choice but to launch and move in this direction or X, Y, Z might happen.
1: I already know the truth was I knew I would not be a wedding photographer forever. I knew that. I just didn't make an exit plan because I was young when I started. I just followed my passion. The pandemic helped because there was no events to photograph. So oh yeah, I guess anyone in events, any photographers, any. And I was kind of happy about it. I said, oh, because it's hard to say no when you're getting offered, you know, five plus figures to shoot an event but knowing I'd that I'm a
0: photographer n- for that like, <laughs> no. anybody want me to shoot their events it's not going to be great I have an iPhone
1: <laughs> <laughs> but knowing that it's not my truth but then also acknowledging that I had a choice and I had a photographer mentor help me with this it was mm. an aha moment for me because he he's older his name's John Dolan and I believe he's oh are you sixty now John sorry if I don't <laughs> he's, <It's> he's like <laughs> I'm actually
0: 52. <laughs> You aged me. (laughs) John, you look great for 72.
1: Very successful. Love his work. Very um, heart-centered, beautiful man. And I had a one-on-one with him. And he was saying how his 40s was horrible. He like hated it. He's like, I'm photographing a bunch of these like Wall Street guys who just like talk shit and would make fun of me like for being a photographer at their wedding. He's like, it was a dark time. And I said, how did you deal with that? How did you deal with the disrespect and like being burnt out and all that? And he said, "Because I had to. Mm. I had a kid. I know. I knew I had to you know, send him to college. I had to. And in that moment, I realized I don't have to. Mm. I had a choice. Because financially, this has also been like a healing process for me, which is a completely different episode, but around money and how I grew up. That I always had confidence that I would be okay. My parents worked really hard. They built. They're in biotech." They built two successful companies. They work so hard. (laughs) Yes.
0: Like I've attended one of the board meetings. It was incredible.
1: (laughs) Can I just share this? I have so many. There's podcast, whatever, internet mark, and there's the mark I know. You're such an asshole. I was in a board meeting (laughs) with my parents. This is
0: how unworried I am about this story, though. Over
1: Zoom. (laughs) <laughs> and then he, you were just staying, I had an old condo in LA and then he had just gone on the shower. So he was in his towel and I'm, t- we're talking about money here. And it's then a
0: family meeting, he, they've okay. never met
1: him and I, I'm not married or anything. I'm single at this point. And he's like, I'm going to walk by in the back of your video. I said, don't <laughs> do it. Not n- right now. Like sometimes I might think that's funny. I'm, I was like, not right now. And you did it. My dad saw, and he's like, What the (laughs) fuck is going on over there? And they hung up on me.
0: He's like, Who's the white guy in the background? I should have done the helicopter. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. The parents ended the board meeting right away. But now I know them and we're now I'm part of the board. (laughs) Not really. I didn't make it there. It's horrible. But man, that was funny. (laughs) But yeah, your parents (laughs) uh, getting back to, they were hardworking when I first met them. Yeah. So they're very
1: successful. And me, but the way I was raised was very, normal. Like I grew up wealthy, but it was very normal. Like a lot of my friends don't even know that like I grew up wealthy. It's something I never really talked about. And I think, you know, I had I always felt like I had to earn things, which I i mean, I kind of like it gave me some. I think
0: that's due to, you know, like my mom is an immigrant from Ireland. We didn't grow up wealthy. We grew up like probably moved up to middle class by the time I was like 18. But that Work ethic was just ingrained, you know. Well, the
1: immigrant work yeah.
0: ethic, yeah, yeah. Well. Like I think about the different circumstances of one new new uh, immigrants, but also all of our grandparents and great and parents yeah. who came over with almost. Not, I met this woman who lived in Vancouver in this area called. I think it's called. Uh, it's up by UBC, and all of the houses are on like three acres in Vancouver. They're all. 25 to 80 million dollars like they're they're beautiful. And she I think she was from Poland. She was in her 80s. But she moved to Canada with like $12 or something. Yeah. And already knew her other Polish husband through connections. They got married. And they bought a house in that area years and years ago for, you know, a couple hundred thousand. And I was just like, wow, like her circumstances moving to Canada are so different than the circumstances I find myself in, you know, and to just put it in perspective, right? To be like, wow, they're truly fighting for survival. Yeah. And I think of the gift my parents gave me, which is to have some of Maslow's needs already met. And I don't, I, you know, I becoming a parent, becoming a father has had me reflect a lot because I spent a lot of time assessing or understanding my childhood to see patterns. And, and I've always been very... Appreciative and explicit about that with them, but I it just really brought me to a sense of awareness and appreciation for them. And I send the messages now often, just being like, "Thank you so much!" Like I I have a deeper appreciation for this now.
1: Oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely! I can't imagine. Well, you're going to be a dad. Can we just talk about that? Thanks for telling me. By the way, at least I found out through a mutual friend and not via like podcast. <laughs> your podcast but then i was just kind of like
0: it's weird having social media because i know you're probably maybe you're similar to me in that i just when i do it on social media i think i've just done it like i don't i have a bit of an aversion to my phone too
1: (laughs) mark you teach you about relationships creating relationships mark sucks at returning texts and calling people back
0: that is actually true I am not very good at texting. And it's because I don't like texting. But I when know. you gave me feedback on it, I did improve my performance deeply. <laughs> That's true.
1: <laughs> you like voice messages.
0: I love voice memoing because I feel like they're more connective. Often I'm driving somewhere. Do I can be like present listening to, a- to them? I do. Do you? Yeah. As long as they're not, I think you're the one who gave me the rule for length on them. Yeah, you said Keep like tight. two minutes.
1: Two minutes. Is that too long? One is plenty.
0: Yeah. Well, anyways, I keep them tighter because of that. Because once I got sent one the other day, 12 minutes, and I was like, sorry, I'm just not like if it's above three, you got to call me, you know, so becoming a father.
1: Do you know any dad jokes?
0: You know, I was making a joke on a previous. Actually, I think it was on Instagram that I'm going to have to actually become less funny. To be a dad because my jokes are already so damn good that in order to be a dad, I'm going to have to like turn down my humor.
1: You think so?
0: I got pretty good humor.
1: You are very funny.
0: Dad jokes usually aren't that funny. Although the dad jokes Instagram account is phenomenal.
1: I haven't seen it. Oh, You don't my know any God. dad jokes? You're a white guy in your 40s. I know. You have to know one.
0: But I had to skip all that stuff because I wasn't a dad yet. I, right? That's automatic. You,
1: have heard? You, must, you must have heard one from your dad.
0: No, he's really funny, but not dad joke style. He's very funny.
1: You are very funny. I don't think you need to tone it down. That's one thing. Don't stop being funny after you become a parent. When I observe people, no, some people, they stop being funny. I'm like, why? You have to. You don't have to.
0: No, I mean, sorry, you have to maintain humor. Yes. How else do you get through? Like you were saying, I want to bring levity to my podcast, like bring more humor. Yes. I totally agree. Like, what is the point of going through life? If you can't laugh, That's like when our kid takes a shit and it, they call it, I just inherited this term, a blowout, where it goes up their back. Yeah. That's going to be funny the yeah. first time. <laughs> that is going to be funny. It's going to be especially funny if Kylie's <laughs> holding our kid when that happens. If it's me, I'll still laugh. But you have to laugh at these things.
1: I agree. No, but some people would argue if someone didn't laugh, what would be their thinking? Because I have something in mind. Of They probably like. Don't, they're going to feel shame. Don't do
0: that. Oh, I don't think so. I don't know that they can code that as shame. Because you're not like, you shouldn't shit up your back. You're like, like that was Like awesome. laughing at someone? Yeah, I mean, if it is embarrassing, but... Yeah. You
1: know, I don't, No, I wouldn't think that. I would say laugh, but I have heard... I live in LA, okay? So I, I've seen how some people can parent one way is not right or wrong. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, you could laugh.
0: I was at Wanderlust. I was in the speaker room. In the back where all this
1: Which one's one of the
0: The yoga one? Yeah, the yoga one. It's since gone. But I was in the the back room where all the speakers were, and there was a couple kids with their mom. And the kid was like kind of losing his shit. Uh, losing his shit. He was a little cute little guy. And the mom was like, take a breath. And the kid was like, like, actually paused. He was like two. And I sat there, I'm like, whoa. That is incredible, and I've witnessed with my nephew, who's fourteen months now. He actually understands most things you say. He doesn't have language yet, like a full command of sentences and words yet. More grunty and suggestions and sounds. But it's really impressive to see how present he is with the world. Like, if there's one thing I'm learning from him, is just I. I just wrote a a Substack on how. I watch him be with the world, and I wanted him to like get the game right, like to put the right animals in the right hole so they fit. And and I was I was wrestling, watching myself, wanting to intervene so he could win or like find the solution. Mm -hmm. And I realized through the experience that he was he was doing it right. But someone taught me that the right way was. Put it in the right hole. Do the, There's too many jokes with that. But, <laughs> but, you know, you know what I mean, though? That there's like the game has an outcome as opposed yeah. to I sat there and just was like watching neuroplasticity in action. I mean, it's really incredible.
1: Yeah, it's good to let them. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, lawnmower parents. versus Oh, a helicopter parents. parents. No, no. Lawn Wait, lawnmower is when you make life easy for them and you mow out like. Oh, oh my obstacles. God, I've never
0: heard that term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I often reference this book on the pod because if you haven't read it, you need to re- read it. It's Coddling of the American Mind by Jonathan Haidt. And he talks about how the way that we have parented it along with social media and all these things have impacted. So our, our teenagers and university students of today, because it's so prevalent in academic spaces, don't have the experience of resilience. They don't have the experience of grit, you know? And
1: I always wonder how do those kids turn out when they're older? Because eventually life's going to slap you in the face and you'll realize no one gives a fuck. Okay. Like your parents might love you if you're lucky, but but no, the world does not give a fuck. You really have to take care of yourself. And so I would imagine it'd be really hard when you get older, when you encounter those things. And
0: well, that feeds cancel culture, uh, <laughs> right? Because you have all these people, and I'm not negating accountability culture, which is different. Mm-hmm. There's a line that is, you can have accountability without annihilation. And I think when we haven't been taught restoration, healing, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying people shouldn't be account- held accountable. So let's just put that over. Because it's we needed an adjustment, there's no doubt, mm-hmm. for language, for behavior, for exploitation of power. But that adjustment, like any human adjustment overcorrects first and i think we're past the overcorrection because they tried to cancel comedians and then comedians were like get mm-hmm. fucked but some comedians canceled for some for good reason yeah but i think this inability to be with feeling hurt mm-hmm. feeling like you don't belong feeling like your feelings aren't validated by everybody on the fucking internet yeah and then you form groups and then attempt to end someone's career or end someone's and again, we're not talking about the ones that needed accountability. I'm talking about like a word that's misinterpreted. Like there's so much evidence of this occurring, especially in academic spaces, yeah, and it's like we can't operate that way. Like how do we have dialogue if we're concerned about using a term about abortion or about trans rights or about we can't I think in the spectrum of views, left, right, pro, anti, all these things. There is so much gray.
1: Oh, yeah. But
0: because we've created these polarities, I think most of us feel because we put other people in other boxes, we dehumanize when we do that. We do it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so we make them narrow, which means we're narrow. And that, I think, is a painful thing to hold. It is. And then we need more TikTok and more Instagram and more drugs and more everything. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying, though?
1: Totally. Super unhealthy. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, I you know just. Way out. Right.
0: <laughs> you just do you. I think you it's know. dialogue, though. It is. Like have you con- the other day.
1: Have conversation.
0: I feel so honored to have been able to partner with Cured Nutrition for the podcast. I love their products. And one of my favorite products from them is their Cured Serenity Gummies. I mean, I love it. It's formulated with their trinity of ingredients, a blend of full spectrum cannabinoids functional mushrooms, and adaptogens. They left out the artificial flavors, the sugars and dyes that we're just so used to being in gummies, and they replaced them with the ingredients that actually live up to the declaration that they have a clean label. This product I tend to take later in the day, and I actually find that it really helps with sleep. Like, I find that I get much calmer, I feel more relaxed. They're so good. If the Serenity gummies sound like something you want to try, Cured has extended an exclusive offer to you, my listeners. You can grab the Serenity gummies for 20% off by visiting www.curednutrition.com slash create the love and use the coupon create the love at checkout. That's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash create the love and make sure you use the coupon code create the love at checkout to save 20% off all their products. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. I think it was TikTok or Instagram, because someone was saying, like, why did you marry a white guy? Oh, yeah. And if you met Pete, I mean, I'd marry Pete. <laughs> let's be honest. He's six foot five, handsome, six, five, six, four. All right. Sorry, Pete. He's six, five <laughs> after yoga. But he's such an incredible guy. And you didn't just let that comment haunt your comment section. You actually really confronted it. Are you open to sharing? About oh, yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, it's not just one person. It's I hear it. Quite often, actually, and it's usually from an Asian male. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously some unhealed trauma there, which I actually I understand. I understand but just throwing it out to a stranger that has that has nothing to do with you, I feel yeah, like yeah. To it's take so like
0: the whole gone. narrative or the whole experience yes. and make it about what Christine Chang represents in her partner choice.
1: Yeah, they wonder you know? what, like, why I've gotten emails like. Why would you perpetuate this narrative that whites are superior by marrying a white guy? There's <laughs> all these assumptions. It's ridiculous to me.
0: Which you, yeah, because you said, I've dated every. I right? have. Yeah.
1: I was a ho. I know. Okay.
0: <laughs> I was a ho. She was not particular. And you were particular in your choices relationally.
1: I, yes.
0: I was a hoe. She was <laughs> yeah. also in Fast and like, the Furious think. One.
1: There were some bad options. You were in
0: Fast and the Furious One, too, as well. We should talk. Fun that.
1: fact: I was in Fast and Furious the first one as an extra.
0: Yeah, girl she, racer
1: number seven. No, she, I'm not even in the credits.
0: You weren't even in the credits. No, I still have the screen cap everybody of it. He
1: oh. loves to show everyone. I'm like, where do you keep that thing that you have? Such I think it's.
0: Quick a, oh, ass I think, <laughs> it was on my personal Instagram, but I deleted it. Oh damn! I actually can't find it. I'll have to freeze frame it. <laughs> Your friends gave you up very quickly. Where I was like, "Where is it?" They're like, "It's at twelve minutes and five seconds." And I'm like, "Perfect." <laughs> Gangster woman in background hanging around Paul Walker. That's you and who else? Was I it? April?
1: No, April and I did a different movie, a Tom Cruise movie.
0: It's <laughs> so good. Collateral. Oh, right. And on. Jess,
1: the three of us. Uh, it was like a Korean club scene. They needed Asians. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're like you three. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so getting back to this though, you faced it head on, which I think actually demonstrates what's required in order to dialogue about things for people to get context, but also to realize when they're not giving context or giving grace to someone in their own life experience.
1: Yeah, and I've had to learn that too of how to acknowledge this and call someone out without doing what they're doing. Because I could have said it in an asshole way and made him feel like shit, but that's not. If you want a good response and someone asks you, listen, that's not what you do. You know, it's just matter of fact, you know, like, hey, I'm going to address this. This is why I married him. We have similar values. We grew up socioeconomically really similar and da, 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 da. And I didn't choose him because he's white. I Timing was a thing, too. And I chose him because I chose him. I lo- The assumption is usually like, I don't, you don't like Asian guys, which right. is so far from the truth. I love Asian guys. I've dated so many. Like, what is, you know, I just, I don't like when people make assumptions.
0: Yeah, I get that. You know, I think uh, it it probably speaks to the larger conversation, which, you know, having really good friends who are Asian, Asian male.
1: You have a lot of Asian friends.
0: Tons. (laughs) And they offer me always so much perspective. I didn't realize, because I'm white, I didn't realize that leading roles were almost never Asian. They were with Bruce Lee was making a rise in Hollywood, but then he died. And that real run kind of stopped when they made me aware of all of that. And I felt right into the reality that what we see in movies and Hollywood is generally what often influences and frames romantic ideals. So if we've never seen a male who's Asian, which wasn't until Crazy Crazy Rich Rich Asians... If we've never seen them in leading roles, then we don't mm, see that modeling. And so I totally understand that now. I have such deeper respect and and understanding of the perspective. And also when you look at, I think it's Match.com who releases their data. It's one of those big uh, companies. And you can see actually in the data, which I think is pretty old now. I'm not sure if they've updated it, but showing how different races choose partners, Mm -hmm. And which is really interesting, too, so I can understand that there would be some fame yeah, with that.
1: Yeah, that I think Asian guys would get swiped on.
0: By la- Asian la- women. Or, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, not often. Or
0: You had your good friend on to talk about that, didn't you? Which one? The actor. Kevin? Yeah.
1: Writer? We We all talk about it just to—I mean, it's such a great time that things are actually changing. I actually, myself, I didn't realize what a big deal it was. Until Crazy Rich Asians came out, the, the script itself is just like another rom-com script. Like there's nothing so special about it. But the thing that was special for me, an Asian female, <laughs> was, oh my God, I've actually never seen myself up on the screen like yeah. that. And what a big impact that makes. Imagine if I had that growing up, I would feel a little less like the outcast. Because growing up in suburbia, like white suburbia, my sister and I were like one of the only two Asians. There's probably like another one in class. But those little things, even if people are nice, you do feel like the outcast. And I didn't realize what a big impact it had until I started seeing us, this whole movement of us being on screen more, of having Asian pride.
0: Yeah. Did you find that it impacted you using your voice as a kid now when you look back?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know me as a kid. I,
0: <laughs> yeah, because you had, you've always had quite a voice since I've known you. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was so shy as a kid, so shy. I wouldn't talk. And my mom's still surprised to this day. She said, You've changed. I was so shy. I was like the little unhappy <laughs> Asian girl in the corner. Really? Yeah. And I had to do a lot of healing with that. For example, one thing I did, I was in Kauai and I did body work. I forgot what it's called. It's where they work on your fascia. Have
0: you done that? Yeah. Like my fascia release? Where they they like scrape your fascia?
1: It's very painful. Have you had it done? Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of similar to that. It's called Matrix Body Mechanics. Very painful, but he was working on my throat. Oh, Lord. And so he's loosening up my throat, and I could feel his time. He, he works on a lot of people. He said, oh, my God, I feel like you were choked in a previous life or something. And as he's doing it, I'm choking, and he releases it. So before he did that, he said, I want you to say a word for me. San- sanctuary. So I said it. Sanctuary. He said, say it again. Sanctuary. He did the work on my throat, and then after I start like, choking and stuff, coughing— and then he said, say it again. And I said, Sanctuary. And the projection, it was him and his partner in the room, the way they looked at me. And I just started bawling. Cause as a kid, I feel like I can never express myself. And it's so I, I still have it in me, you know, like it's still tight. Yeah. And it's something I continue to work on. But that, yeah, that's that's the little girl in me.
0: Isn't it interesting that The, you know, I think when we often hold back self-expression, which I think social media really magnifies that or podcasts, there's some belief that if I say the thing I'm actually feeling, people won't love me they won't accept me. And so we silence ourselves and then we reinforce the belief. And I say that being aware of how that lives in my life sometimes too. And then the only way we can actually get validity in being heard is by speaking, So by speaking and sharing the thing we want to share, we say, you approving of what I'm saying, it doesn't matter anymore. It matters. You know, I often think it's like we don't speak so that someone can agree with our thought or to be heard. We speak to hear ourselves. Yes. And that transition where I think the first time I ever did a video on Instagram, I was like terrified so easy to hide behind a written word
1: yeah I've seen your evolution with that too
0: it was terrifying and I remember one of the conferences we went to was in la and we did a future self meditation yes and in the meditation I opened a box and in the box was a video camera and yeah and I remember being like I have to do video
1: yes I think I, I always told I always saw you on video I think I always told you like why aren't you Recording yourself.
0: I think just afraid of being witnessed, afraid of saying the wrong thing, afraid of getting it wrong, you know? And I just continue to learn, like you have talked about, that you have to follow the evolution of what is reaching for you. And, you know, I delayed doing video probably two years after that box was opened, knowing that the box held the truth. You know, I was like, fuck, I need to do video. But then you come up with all the reasons I can't find a camera. I can't fucking. It's like, use your iPhone, right? Like there's there's really no excuse anymore because you can do, you could start almost anything now with a phone. You can learn how to be good at anything for free. If you really want to, you just have to go gather the information.
1: Gather information and then also be okay with being a newbie.
0: Yeah, that absolutely. Be okay
1: with sucking, which can be so hard. But the hardest. I, that's why I go to dance class because it, it trains me. Oh, I love your
0: dance class videos.
1: Thanks. I take hip hop and jazz funk. And in the beginning, I was so self-conscious whenever I couldn't get the choreography. Like really embarrassed too. But it's it's a recreational dance class. Like who, the, who gives a fuck? So right. it trains me to not care. At, because the best dancers, you'll see them mess up too, but you almost can't see it because they don't stumble and the look on their face, you can't tell. So that's my goal is if I mess up, just keep going, pick up where you pick up. Yeah. So it's really good personal growth for me. So if you have something where you can try that's new and be okay with sucking at it. I
0: think that's a great point though, to start with something that isn't necessary, that builds your capacity to allow yourself gently to, as you said, be new at something. Yeah. But don't delay your growth, your evolution, because you're afraid of being bad at something,
1: which most of us are.
0: Yeah. Until I remember hearing from the same conference, Kyle, say, How arrogant of you to believe your gifts are for you. And I was like, Ooh, like they're for the person who needs what you have to say, mm-hmm. which I thought, Oh, well, that changes the whole responsibility of knowledge the responsibility of even converting pain and suffering into wisdom and then sharing that if you feel called to because someone else is going to go through or is going through what you've been through and the gift you can give them of how you walked it is i think just uh it's it's in some level a responsibility of community and and leads to restoration
1: that's a great point i don't remember him saying that but that's a great take i think away.
0: he might have said that when i was co- coaching with him oh
1: yes you yeah the co- Kyle, yeah says. yeah,
0: yeah. So we, I'm curious. To long way around the barn, we finally got back. I'm wearing a cowboy hat. I had to say barn. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Nickemont. This hat is epic. I'm curious. When did you know that you couldn't not write the book? Like emotionally, like where your soul was. Like you have to write this book. And I know you said the pandemic did that.
1: I knew before the pandemic, it was in me. I knew this was a conversation to be had, and I knew I was not the only woman who had gone through this, who had a hard time with dating, who there was a lot of pain associated with that, which usually stems back from childhood. A modern woman who's feels like they're good at a lot of things. I know how to make money. I'm confident in my career. I have friends, come from a good family, got hobbies. Why is this one sliver of life so difficult for me? Mm -hmm. And it was really hard for me to talk about unless Someone gave me a really safe space because it's hard to also admit that if you're not good at something, especially for a high achiever and especially like dating and love that we're, there's this assumption you're just supposed to know how to do it. I didn't know. I, w- I wasn't given any, any great <laughs> examples, right? You're supposed to know how to do relationships, marriage and parenting, right? And finance. And finance, too. All the stuff that they should probably teach in school or, like, give you some guidance.
0: God forbid. (laughs) The thing that has the gray. So then we end up in relational suffering in some way. And then that's when we're like, oh, shit, I need to learn all these things because this hurts a lot. And, hey, wait, there's actually a skill set associated with this. Wait, my childhood impacted me. Wait, culture (laughs) impacts me. Disney movies do. Hollywood. I think there's so much grief and rage that comes with that acceptance. There was for me, like just a lot of grief of, wait, why did no one teach me this? And now that I know this thing, I go back on the Rolodex of my life of where I could have done better. I could have been better, Mm. which is hard.
1: That did come up for me, too. I think I I got mad at my parents for a while. Like, why didn't you guys teach me? (laughs) Why weren't you better at it? Blaming them, right? You can only blame your parents for so long right now. I After all the growth I've done, like, I love my parents to death. And you just see them as human doing the best that they know. Right. You're not going to be good at everything either, just like for yourself, right? Like, you're not going to get it right all the time. And you probably will gain more empathy after you have kids and you realize, oh, fuck, I (laughs) to think you know everything. I have
0: no idea what I'm doing.
1: I know. That's a good place. It's kind of a
0: beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, I find myself being able to now interview people about parenting and really go down that path of understanding, you know, as opposed to healing the things you inherit. Now I get to look at what I give, like, here's your U-Haul. Here's some numbers and some references for you to talk to some people when you get to 20 and you're like, oh, dad and mom, you know, because we don't leave childhood unscathed. But I do think that if we turn towards our stuff that we inherit which i think we're one of the first generations or multiple generations that has the opportunity the, the space the wisdom i mean think of the internet i mean as many things as it causes it also really is the decentralization of knowledge
1: absolutely
0: which is pretty cool
1: yeah so i do feel the younger generations are more uh, with it i mean they get all these cool like instagram like quotes are they, they're probably not even on instagram like yeah, on know, all the resources that they're so like have.
0: the social media is horrible for you none of them are on it <laughs>
1: that's true you know, like, it's
0: just a ghost town of of millennials gen x gen y and <laughs> yes. baby boomers. i
1: actually think maybe <laughs> <laughs> but i i like that it's more normal conversation now
0: yeah just taking into the i mean now you have like celebrity therapists you have celebrity coaches you have this desire to want to learn all of this stuff which to me is so powerful and it's like it's never too late i remember uh, you meet people who are in their 70s 80s who are really just in the midst of putting boundaries into their life oh, declaring yeah. i'm like hell yeah uh, like that's so powerful
1: oh it's huge and it's forever learning i, I watched my dad learn something new last week he's 80 and it's really lovely to see he uh, we're going through some uh, a big life transition with. So my parents are divorced, but they're they were business partners. My mom just left
0: mm-hmm. Last after month, spending their whole adult, a lot of their adult lives as business partners, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I was born. So that's, a,
0: that's what a, a, what a life thing. moment.
1: Yeah. So my mom is officially retired. She left. And so her office is empty there. And my dad, actually out of both of them, you know, my dad always acted like it was not a big deal, you know, and then she and then now I can see him being very emotional about it because every day he could come by and she was there since the divorce. He actually never got that full repercussion of actually her leaving. You know, he so got, now he's grieving it. He is grieving it. And so he was saying that. You know, with this transition. That's why I, I've been up in the Bay Area for yeah. a couple of weeks helping them with the transition. And you know, he wanted either my sister or I to fill her role. And to, that was a whole to
0: insulate thing. him from the experience of
1: well, it's experience. all he knows yeah. too, right? Is to work with the family member. And I I cried a few times last week, you know, talking to him, which isn't that we don't have these kind of talks that often. And I didn't even have to say much, but the fact that I was, you know, like, I couldn't stop the tears from coming down. And I said, you know, like, dad, I'm not mom, Mm. you know, and him seeing that he I, I wasn't trying to guilt trip him or anything like this is the truth. Like, I'm not mom. You know, I can help you get someone new in here and help you. But I'm not mom. Like, I I'm like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to leave my husband in L.A. and move up here? You know, and this is this is reality. He's right? like, yes,
0: actually, that's exactly, that's exactly what I want you to do.
1: <laughs> he said, he's like, no, you shouldn't do that, but secretly, like, he, he would be like, that'd be he, great. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you all move up here? <laughs> and so it was him coming to terms with that. Mm. That he was, you know, he, he was saying, you know, for the first time in my in my life, I realized how my dad felt. My grandpa, he had a school in Vietnam that he. Wanted to pass to his kids, and none of them wanted it. Wow. And and, and uh, yeah, yeah is the term for my grandpa, my dad's side. And he said, you know, yeah, yeah was just so upset with us. And now I know how he felt because you, he's like, you work so damn hard, like for your kids to do this. But he's like, but I understand that your life is your life, and you have to do your your thing so he's grieving wow
0: that too the recognition of how his father felt and then yeah because he now has some empathy and some understanding
1: yeah so that's all been happening like this last month during this transition which is good for everyone it's kind of sad to see like you know your parents had but that's life like this is life and with you know like marriage and stuff too that's why I like to give people like real expectations. We want, you know, you think like I'm gonna have this marriage and it's always gonna be like hot and sexy and like there's responsibilities in life. Shit responsibilities comes Responsibilities
0: are not generally hot.
1: <laughs> people die, you know, like you have to take care of your parents and like I've been away from for Pete for over two weeks and it's gonna take a while. You know, like navigating all this, it's a lot. But this yeah, is, is reality. So when you choose a partner you know choose someone with these things in mind because the first few months in bali together where you don't have responsibilities is really easy anyone can do that but if you're looking for long term these things
0: come up does monday at the office feel like a storm not with microsoft copilot that feeling when copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly it's sunny again Yeah. Navigating and negotiating. Like what are the priorities of our, us as a couple, us individuals? How does this, the relationship be in service to that? You know, I think as someone who really said yes to way too many things in my life and really had a lot of poor boundaries in terms of wanting to people please, wanting to help people, codependency just becoming so much. And I know as a friend, you've witnessed me go through that and the recognition that because Kylie is very introverted like she's a lot more introverted she's loves her solo time my coping mechanism as a kid was to be with people all the time to be entertained to entertain and that's great cuz you develop it as a superpower but at the same time when i started to be with Kai and realize how much time she needed how boundary she was around her time i started to see how I lacked boundaries around my time and I started to see the value of introversion, which I I always used to make fun of introverts. And now I'm like, they're onto something. I also realized coming back to your feedback about messaging or calling is that because I would be so stretched out or have so like the amount of texts or emails or things I get a day, what suffered and suffers sometimes still is primary core friendships and relationships. And you're not the first person I got that feedback from. You know, I got it from a couple other very good friends. And I realized that how much grief comes up with like how my over-functioning or like codependency patterns that can show up, especially when I'm stressed, that they actually impact primary core relationships that are actually the most important for my well-being, my health, and really constantly realizing that I'm being informed about where boundaries need to be, you know, coming back to what you're talking about with your father and just observing his life transitions, I feel myself in that navigating the transitions of my parents getting older. Navigating, I feel so blessed because I haven't experienced the mortality of a parent, but I know so many people who have. And I think I've been so afraid to like even touch the emotion of that because it just feels like, and I think for a lot of people, maybe you know, they weren't blessed with yeah, okay. great parents and mourning that. You know, and it's like you said, life is not it's not gentle. I don't think it's meant to be gentle, you know, like if you're awake to the world, you're gonna be in pain. Yeah. Right? Like if you watch the news, like you're just gonna be suffering all the time, which is pretty. I mean, how do you stay informed about the world? Do you need to be informed about the world? That's also a great question. I'm not sure.
1: I argue with my mom this all the time because she first thing turns on the news, oh, fucking in the morning. First thing in the morning, in the <sighs> evening consumes a lot, and she's been she's anxious like. and depressed. And so, if she wasn't anxious and depressed, I wouldn't say anything. But I argue with her. I'm like, I think this has an impact on your. Mental health. She's like, she grew up on it, you know. She's like, I, you know, like, I, I need my news. Like, this is just what I do. And I'm like, do you really need to know what's going on in a small town halfway across the world?
0: You really don't at this speed, right? Right.
1: <laughs> With the internet, and back in the day like, when you grew up, it was newspapers where you could probably choose the stories you want to read. Right. The news was not as sensationalized. You could go it's,
0: right to the part you liked, yes. sports or whatever it was, entertainment.
1: Yes. You didn't have to go
0: to murder, murder, murder.
1: Totally. Robbery, murder. It was like zoned out and they feed you whatever stories they want. You don't choose. She, that's something. She's, she's older, you know. She's but algorithms
0: too. are that now, too. Yes. You know?
1: I, I said, Mom, you're, you know your Netflix suggestions looks completely different from mine? And she said, I know. I watched a lot of murder mysteries and negative
0: things. I, said, I used to watch about? that stuff.
1: No, it, some of I it is loved good. Adeline. Some of it is fantastic. Man but it's a balance i'm like maybe throwing some comedies in there
0: i agree and i think that is so much of i'm feeling i've felt this a lot in the last 3 years i've talked about it a bit on the podcast but you know this feeling of anxiety this feeling and i know it's correlated to social media i know it's correlated scrolling right and to to just the large social conversations and the immediacy of feedback. And I'd say like on some level, re-traumatization when you experience, you know, wanting to talk about something that you feel is important, but then also feeling like socially or culturally, that's not actually an okay topic. But also negotiating with the truth that if we all stop talking about things that matter, then we'll just assume that there's consensus about all these things. When really there's been the absence of dialogue about so many subjects, because we're so afraid that will be seen as mean or not woke or whatever the term might be, or not left or not right. And I know so many people who just don't say anything because they're so terrified of being called right-wing or called, it's so interesting that that's now an insult to be called a Republican. And it's also an insult to be called woke, you know, where years ago it was a compliment. Someone's like, so woke. I'm like, yeah, I'm a W-O-K-E. What's up? You know, But now that's an insult. And the only solution really to neg- navigating my anxiety is to listen to it and to take a step back. To, I don't really know the role of social media in my life anymore. I'm not sure yet. I think it's Rumi who has the quote. No, I think it might be someone else. But it's live the question. And so I've been living the question now. I think before I was afraid of, of what the answer might be.
1: Yeah. I saw you're going to combine your Instagram accounts. You something. Yeah. And that? I didn't
0: know how because they're, it's not like they're totally polar opposite or different, but by having two accounts, I've felt very split. I think it's felt it's fed the, the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I don't even believe that I'm capable of unifying these two parts, which is really kind of fascinating from a, Psychological lens that the very bridge I desire to build, I have to build within myself, Um, which I actually look forward to doing. I think before I was just angry, you know, angry at just how I'll speak from my own personal experience of Canada, angry that a political leader decided to create and run an election on a wedge issue about vaccination. And he did from the day he called an election. He completely pivoted and then just started to dehumanize, and the language he used was very othering. Before that, fine, you know, like everyone make the choice that works for them, we're in a crisis. I totally understand all that. But the moment it was targeting a specific group of people that I am part of, and then I felt the impact on my relationships of the media and the political positioning and words, I was it just, it's so hard to verbalize. Now I have, it's such a deeper understanding and compassion, you know, telling my men's group, there's a couple of guys who are black in it. And they're like, yeah, welcome to being black. Mm. Like you can make a choice and fit in. And I was like, wow. Like it, it just gave me so much more understanding that wasn't available to me before. And so it I wanted to speak out about that. But then of course the pushback from social media of like, If you're questioning public health policy or vaccination, you're anti. I was like, no, I'm not anti anything. I want dialogue. I want curiosity. And I think just as the cancellations or the pain of the judgment and being called selfish just became so great, it was easier to just, hey, if you're here for this subject, it's over here. Yeah. As opposed to actually this is human connection. This is the muck. Yes. You know, and it's like, wait, I'm. I'm doing the same thing that I oppose. I'm I'm putting myself over in another group, which is really, it's been so grieving too. A lot of pain and it's impacted so many close relationships. And I think if it's impacted my close relationships and people who, you know, value dialogue, value generally, imagine what it's done to families around the world and communities. And uh, I just think when, Tactics that are used to change behavior, which are important on a public health level, when they're actually done unethically with a cost of division and dehumanization, that's where I draw a line. And it's been interesting to negotiate or want to talk about that, you know, and we've had great conversations like that's We
1: can disagree and have a conversation.
0: But even like further that, when we had a conversation about the subject and with Pete, too. I just got so much perspective and right. Like my view is broadened by being met with curiosity and compassion, as I'm sure is the experience that's- that the people were in dialogue with. Right. And that's why I value friendships that weren't conditional because I felt like somewhere.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So when the pandemic started, I grew, grew apart for some friends. It's very painful when that happens. Yeah, it is. And I, um, I closed those loops not too long ago. One reached out to me, I reached out to the other, but it was painful at that point. You know, that's another great conversation to have as well. But it is, it's really sad when you can't even have conversations, healthy conversations based on, you know, kindness and curiosity. Right.
0: I think the real failure in terms of policy was that they began to moralize one position versus another in order to gain more compliance. And as soon as there's moralization, like this decision means you're a better person, then you have a hierarchy and you it's a dangerous road. And you see that of how, if you look at human history, every time there's a value hierarchy or a moralization, it's not it doesn't go well. And I think we've caught it. Like it feels like things are lightening now. I do think there's a lot of healing to be done. Oh,
1: for sure. For sure, all of us. I mean, the only thing we can do is focus on yourself and model right. the behavior you show people how to create great relationships by doing it
0: amen by and being it
1: totally and that's with my husband pete that is what he never tells me what to do he just shows me how to be a good human because it really does like if he told me what to do I, I, we wouldn't be married you know i wouldn't do well with that so <laughs>
0: No, no, you do the telling. That's the role. But I
1: learned from him. I'm like, God, I need to stop being an asshole. He does
0: bring a lot of gentleness to you.
1: He does, but he just shows, he shows me. And it's very simple, too.
0: Kai's like that, too. She is. She's like Yoda.
1: She is. And it's funny, personalities like ours tend to do, a lot of my uh, guy friends, I've told you before, they married very introverted women. That's not Coincidence. There is a compatibil-
0: compatibility, yeah. there,
1: especially like emotionally.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think she triggers me in ways that I need to heal because she's much more silent. She she's poised. She creates space in. She's mindful. Very, like very.
1: You need some of that.
0: I'm pretty good now. I'm pretty mindful. Be- better. Yeah, yeah. I meditate a lot. I'm very <laughs> present to my re- my reaction. Um, I'm not reactive almost at all. Uh,
1: no, no, you're not reactive, but more what I, you like to do a lot of different things at once, like a little. All yeah, I'm a
0: place. multitasker, but not great at multitasking. Lighty? That's a, That's no, right <laughs> I say? think when I again, coming back to the, my default is to say yes to too many things mm-hmm. and then presence to things can suffer. She's been a great she, reminder of that a 100 percent. And I'm also very. Like, I don't know what you and Pete do, but we very much create and constantly look at boundaries around technology.
1: We need to do that.
0: Because, man, it's easy for both of us to be like.
1: That, it can destroy a relationship.
0: Well, it's so easy to find more connection on here, especially if things aren't good, you know.
1: That's why I say it could be dangerous.
0: Yeah. She doesn't really it. use her phone very often. I mean, the <laughs> chick's like a fucking, It's it's like I'm marrying a hot Yoda. You know, it's just like I'm having a kid with her. Especially about birth. I mean, we were very mindful and intentional about our preconception journey. And she is just, I'm like, I can't believe she's the portal. I'm so lucky.
1: Dude, whatever kid or being chose the two of you is very smart.
0: I'm so excited for that. And I think, you know, it's interesting that one of the greatest predictors of relational success is actually how people talk about their partners when they're not around.
1: Mm.
0: So we should be good, I think, you know?
1: Today. Even For me, me, I pump up Pete, you know? Uh,
0: <laughs> I feel like society is over-digitized. It, completely. Right, like we're too digitally stimulated. Keep this podcast on, though. You, <laughs> We're too digitally stimulated. <laughs> I think auditory stuff is a bit different. And I don't say that because of the podcast, but I I listen to a lot of books instead of read them because I'll do it while I'm working out or mountain biking um or podcasts. But I really do think there's there's going to be a revolution of a, of analogue. Yes. You think so?
1: I think so too. I think the beginning stages of having a smartphone is kind of like we're little monkeys. Right. <laughs> you know, it's too much. And like you said, humans are extreme. Use a swing one way and then hopefully
0: I think we have to, because I don't know with the levels of anxiety and depression, Mm. which I think are often and maybe mostly sourced from technology.
1: I feel it when I'm scrolling. Right. I might not even be reading negative things, but just the anticipation of what's going to come up. And I'm in bed. I feel it. And I'm like, I need to turn this off. Put it away.
0: Have you ever gotten your screen report?
1: Oh, yeah. And it's it's like, you could have
0: another job. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's embarrassing. So I try. Social media is such a gift in that it's a free platform for you to build a business. You speak what you want to speak about, but it's also highly addicting. And so I try to just go on them. Instagram and TikTok's great for business just to upload my things and not scroll.
0: I think that's the key is the boundaries around being on it, using it for business, of course. You know, we are basically the last generation to know life without. So So we're the split. Like we know before technology and before smartphone and after smartphone, and it's going to be a very different experience than before Christ and after Christ, if that's a real thing. But, you know, it's like the impact of technology marks a very important point in human development and human evolution. Because you're right. We have had to adapt to something that provides more dopamine, then probably anything we've ever been around on such levels, like consistent levels. How do you compete with that? Yeah, Like, I think that true presence and being around like a forest or a river or in awe of an ocean or a mountain actually competes with that. Like when you get the nourishment of good food, you crave good food. You no longer crave shit and processed foods. But you have to get to the place where you know nourishment in every aspect of life.
1: And it's not as quick either.
0: You're right. It's almost like they, you know, they say it's like it takes time. But you realize how much you're running from, and the richness of the world. Absolutely. We don't need phones. Yeah, we do, but we don't. I remember being in Ireland in like 2007 or something. My my mom's family there, and my cousin's like, "I'll just text you." I'm like, "Why don't you call me?" Like, it's easier to text. I'm like, what's this texting thing? Maybe it was like 2004. But now that's, it made, then I was like, why wouldn't you just call me? And now I realize, you know, the value of that. So there's value to technology.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's always balanced.
0: If you were to restart, like if you were to create your business now, would you create it on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube? Because you do brand, you know, you're very brand aware, brand presentation, brand design, strategy. And I know you did your own but you do, you did that with a lot of people. You helped me a lot with when I first started. What would you recommend to someone who is listening, who is navigating that transition to leave something, to begin something? And where do you recommend they start from a brand expression perspective?
1: Starting from a brand expression. I always go to the business stuff first. Having your own website and your own email list because you'll have more control there. As soon as you're on someone else's platform, they can change anything, take it away.
0: Greatest thing I've learned in the yeah. last three years. So
1: you can't get mad at it. You know, some people are like, oh, they're changing the algorithm. I'm like, this is That's a what free yeah. platform for you to do. You've made this money, but it's not your platform. So build your own, your own website, your own. If you have a show, where do you want to stream it? You know, I, I'm kind of a control freak. So if I can have the control, I would love it. So email list. Um, and out of all the social media platforms right now, I like YouTube because it's evergreen and the searchability.
0: I think it's better. the best.
1: I think like it's if the I was best. to
0: choose, I think Spotify is really growing. But to do video on Spotify for a podcast, you have to host it on one specific platform. I can't remember what it's called, but they don't have an easy transition from right. another one.
1: Like YouTube. Yeah, it's easy. YouTube.
0: Second largest search engine in that the world as
1: well. Yes.
0: Instagram, you're like, blah, 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 blah. It brings up rando. You know, it's, it's not easy to be found there. I'd say the algorithm is no longer.
1: Instagram's. A, I think it's a sinking ship.
0: I agree with you.
1: TikTok is really, if you're already making video content, TikTok, their algorithm, I'm sure you've all heard, but it is really good. You it's just,
0: for sure the best one right now.
1: If you just want your message to get out there. There's a lot of eyeballs and it's targeted. The people who watch it, they send it exactly to the people who want to watch your type of content. So business-wise, that's what I would say. So you'd say YouTube? Your own website and email email list. list.
0: Agreed. Mm -hmm. Because you're right. There's a saying in that world of social media that you're building a business in someone else's backyard. And we saw this with Facebook. They just adjusted the algorithm. And one day people went from... Million dollar businesses that they invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in to nothing.
1: Yep, and they can It's their platform,
0: right? Instagram did the same thing. They don't owe it's you done. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting because what I find is so fascinating about the creator economy. And you know, I a recent poll asking young people what is their dream job is to be an influencer. Twenty five percent of them. Yes. Something like that. Yes. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And the creatives today. I mean, are you kidding me? The amount of video skill and dancing and all, whatever floats your boat, I don't care. But what's interesting is platforms like Instagram say, okay, we're going to give you some algorithmic benefit. You just got on here. And I'd say now it doesn't really do that as much. But you, TikTok, we're going to give you these algorithmic benefits. We're going to get you some followers. We're going to get you some success. And then we're going to shift our business model to be content forward, ads. And you helped us make this what it is. But we actually don't give a fuck about you. You don't. They don't give a fuck. Have you ever experienced customer service from Instagram or Facebook?
1: Oh, I tried to delete one of my accounts yesterday and it took literally an hour. They don't make it easy.
0: They don't want to I just wanted to, to deactivate
1: an account.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's. I love how Facebook, when I deleted my personal account, which was like five years ago now, It was like we'll just keep it alive for thirty days, just in case you're not sure. And of course, for for me, I was like, I'm out. Yeah. But I think it's for a lot of people that would be like, Oh, I got to get back. I got to see what's happening. But yeah, these this I agree with you that if I was to start now, I would start a podcast. I would start a a mailing list. Definitely have a website. I would do video with the podcast and I put it on YouTube. I'd get someone, if I could afford it, I'd get someone to create shorts that I'd put on all the other platforms. Yep. And I would just let it cruise. Yes. Learn how to create a good offering for like something that's separate. Because usually people start out one-on-one or like a service and then evolve to like a course or something like that. Which not every service obviously can offer a course.
1: But I think even people are kind of coursed out. Yeah. No, people just want, they want to learn. I mean you That's have more true. experience in this than me. I it's in you. Like it was never I thought about doing that like, for practicality and money making and I realized it's it's just it's not me first all, problems.
0: <laughs> I like it from the sense that you can impact far more people like there's much more reach and you can make it an accessible thing. You know there's so many you can basically get most creators almost all their content for free. Right. Like usually with a course, we're paying for the organization and the structure and the simplicity of it. But you could go through everyone's videos. and er Now, some people will do that. Yes. Which you got to think of value of time. Yes. But I don't think we think about that till we think about it. (laughs) You know?
1: Correct.
0: Yeah. So you do all that. I agree with all that. I think I would do. Now I started a Substack. What's that? Substack is a writing platform that a lot of journalists use because they couldn't write about certain things on mainstream media.
1: Okay, so it's not censored.
0: Not censored okay? at all. They okay. really value the expression of the writer.
1: And it's just like a blog or article.
0: Yeah, or. but it's you, there's many tools that you can create, like a paywall for subscribers that get mm. more content. You can create a podcast or special episodes on there that people pay for. So it's pretty neat, actually, how it's done. So I would start one of those, too, because an email or a newsletter can't catch virality, but a, a post on the internet can't. Do you know what I'm saying. Correct.
1: So it's, it depends on what you want to do. So I think yeah. with the email if you want someone to like click on a link or you know something like that, yes.
0: Yeah, it is true. It's it's a different animal.
1: And for like TikTok, like I'm on TikTok, we post my podcast cl- podcast clips on TikTok. I just, my intention right now is just to get myself out there in this position so people can hear my voice, see my face. I'm kind of planting that seed. It's kind of like branding as well. And it takes time. you built a business, right? I built my photography business. I watch my parents build two businesses. I have to remind myself it takes time to snowball and get going. My book sales, you know, I, I look at the because it's published on Amazon. The um, you know it's a little bit amount of money at a time that trickles in, and it's not huge right now. I would just say it's like my food money, my lunch money. But I also re- remind myself it takes time. Like this, over time, that stuff adds up, and then also it takes Agreed. a while to, to snowball and get going.
0: What is New coming up for you now, like where I know you've had. Where am I at? Yeah, am I? a lot of evolution. Yes, <laughs> and I'm I want him. to acknowledge you for the courageous leaps you continue to take. And where are you going now?
1: So currently, I'm a multifaceted woman. That's a modern woman these days. Yeah, I, guess. I like to hear that. So Snap the, those fingers. <laughs> that I had to. Come Q Beyonce, because <laughs> I was brought up to like, what do you do? What is your thing? So I would put that pressure on myself and other people when I would coach them on their business or help yeah. them. Like, you need to focus on one thing if you want to excel at it. And I let that go, which is so relieving. Because I think our modern culture, they do ask you sometimes like, what do you do?
0: Totally. It's, I think, how we have framed value in someone by their identity, their title, as you were saying, coach, whatever we might have, even yes. a credential. Yes. We're, we're very much like, that way. We say? place your value.
1: Yes. Yeah. So like, what do you say? So right now I'm doing a lot of different things. So with photography, I realized instead of the hard stop, I still do some corporate work. I love corporate because yeah. they have big budgets and they're not emotional.
0: Oh, you yeah, Check yeah. in and out. Got to be different than a bride.
1: Exactly. Which yeah. uh, you weddings are so important to people. I get it. So they care. With corporate, in and out, a lot of them, they want to spend the money, especially at the end of the year. So it's oh,
0: yeah. insane.
1: I'm in and out in an hour. And it's great money well like and why you're would I such a now?
0: talented photographer and thank you, you. and I
1: know what the, I know what the companies want you know they yeah. just want someone reliable and you're good with people but I do still do some corporate gigs and that makes me feel good that I have a base income coming in instead of nothing because yeah. when I have nothing coming in even though we're financially okay I actually don't like it it doesn't make me feel good I, I like it. to produce I like to build so seeing that makes me feel good good and i acknowledge that and i acknowledge working with people taking their photo
0: entrepreneurship is personal growth it is it's like i love here's the cavern of your self-worth yeah i just
1: yeah i like it i genuinely like it yeah so i still do corporate and some family photography which i'm like in and out in an hour same thing and then with the book uh the book is on amazon it's called show up finding love for independent women my personality i realize i'm i'm not a coach i'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. so public speaking would be great for me having like a podcast that. is great but not like one-on-one coaching i'm not a coach I'm a teacher so i realized that
0: that's a great self like moment of awareness i'm yeah, sure yeah kind of liberating
1: yes yeah, so I was just like oh wait yeah why did I choose this why did I think I should do this and getting really clear gosh the clarity is key so uh so now I know where that stands that it's not my main thing, like if my LinkedIn, I'm going to have to update it because when the I got my book out, I changed it, you know, dating coach for high performers. That's not what I want to be yeah. known for. It's it's just a slice of me. And I'm an entrepreneur, modern woman that this is a thing. I want to start the conversation. But it's my book. It's it's not the main thing. I'm also in. <laughs> I'm also in biotech right now. Currently, I don't know how long it's going to take. You have a new help, company, right? To, <laughs> help, to help my parents.
0: <laughs> Did you move into your mom's office?
1: I didn't. We left it there. I'm gonna separate good. one. <laughs>
0: That's company. good for him to, mar- to just mourn that.
1: Yeah, leave it empty yeah. there. Lights are off.
0: <laughs> it's actually really impressive that, you know, given that he's a man from that generation, Asian, that he's actually having those, like, has been emotional with you. Yeah. What a gift.
1: Yeah, he's he's cool. He, he, he is he, funny. He's funny. and Your dad has, is funny. He has depth as well. But th- this transition uh, will take a while. But also, I enjoy it too. My family is really important to me. Yeah. And having the clarity. Uh, my therapist helped me out with that. Of It's clear, like, you're not your mom. This is not a role. Like, you're not going to be business partners with your dad. It, but you can help in this way. Where are my strengths? Branding, marketing, keeping the company relevant, implementing new systems. I can do that. So I can be, yeah, it's fun. So I could be back and forth between LA and SF for a while and talk to Pete about it and figure that out. What would work best for us (laughs) there? Because there's the personal life, right?
0: Yeah.
1: You have to consider. And I'm really passionate about Asians in entertainment. I I felt from a young age that I would pretend to have radio shows when I was a kid, Like I wanted, I was the shy kid, but I wanted to be on TV and I wanted to entertain. That's there. And it's scary to say because that goal and even directing movies, I feel I'm very good at storytelling. It's there, but there's a lot of factors in entertainment that are maybe more challenging than other industries. And it's who you know and things Mm -hmm. like that. There's more luck involved maybe. But that doesn't mean I can't still... Create stories and pursue that. There's anyone who can
0: do that. It's you.
1: I feel, but it's scary to say because someone might might be watching,
0: and they're like, "Oh, we got you."
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 but now you got to do it. Yeah, and it is scary. Like, does your goal scare you a little bit? That I'm like, I might fail, but I feel like that is made for me. So I actually might go to Sundance next weekend with um, Gold House. So that Gold House, they. It's basically Asian-Americans in entertainment. I reached out to them. That's awesome. I'm like, how can I get in here? It's really hard to get in that room. So what I did was offer my photography. I built the skill over 15 years and I reached out to them asking, do you need a photographer? I'll offer my services. Can you get me out there? And they actually emailed me back. So if I can get out, if they fly me out, I'm going to go. And these are the little things I did in my 20s when I built my first business. I was more willing to do that because, you know, after take the (laughs)
0: risks, ask the questions. I'm always impressed when people write me about something and I'm like, way to go. Like if I get it because I get a lot of messages. But if I see it and I'm like, wow, like way to to leap.
1: It's humbling too. Yes. I
0: leap all the time. Yes. Scary as fuck.
1: It's scary. It's humbling because sometimes after you've built a certain reputation, sometimes I don't know about you, but I've been there too, like. I'm not going to shoot that for free. Like, I, don't, you know, like right. you kind of get an ego. You do raise the
0: value of your time, too. Yes, but it's yeah. a
1: balance. If you yeah. want to grow to the next level, how can you do that? Where do you see opportunity? So that actually really excites me. So I think that's the bigger picture is I'm going to work in entertainment. I'm good at producing. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I feel it. That's great. That I can't explain, but I just—it's like it's a gut
0: feeling. That's great. I'm moving into documentaries. Are you really? Yeah.
1: That's great. Are you? Series. Do you have a I, show?
0: I uh, am creating the one pager, and I got some. Uh, I got a really good friend helping me out with um, sort of mentoring me through the process, and is. Con- I just love the serendipity of life because this person's connected in that world and is like, "This is a great idea. I'd love to do it."
1: You're pitching a show.
0: Too? Yeah. Okay.
1: And, Do you know what platform? It, are you pitching to a specific platform? Uh, are
0: you allowed to
1: say?
0: No, can't. Okay. I don't want to say yet because okay. I don't know because <laughs> I can't. Um, maybe it would fit with specific platform intentions. Um, but you know, places like Netflix and Amazon—they want content now, and so does Apple. Mm-hmm. So I actually really like any of those streaming platforms because there's so much accessibility. Yes, and if you can get on one of those, I mean, it. I think TV is. Or video is the way to go because uh, I really want to continue to evolve what I'm doing. And that is scary for me. Like the idea of hosting a show and being part of the inquiry, you know, that's being filmed. I mean, it's it makes you have to be present. You don't have a choice. You can't be up here thinking like a podcast. And I'm sure you've experienced this. Whenever I'm like, oh, what question do I need to ask her? What's next? I'm not listening. I can't. (laughs) Of
1: course. That's the hardest thing that I learned when I started my podcast. Are you fine with it? You're better at it now. You've been doing this for so long. I
0: am way better at it, but it still comes up for me when I have like, I interviewed um, Dr. Robert Waldinger, which will come out pretty soon. And he is like, I love his work. He's from Harvard. He's a psychiatrist. He's uh, the director of one of the largest studies on health and well being, and I get a little more nervous. Like every question nice. matters. Yes, and, you know. Yeah, his
1: time's valuable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is it's great. Those are good things to be thoughtful about. And yeah, I find when, and also when it's not in person, like I a lot. Nervous? Of, no, I'm uh, when I'm not in person. Yeah, because you and I are, we're sitting in the same room. There's there's a, a there's more going on than just us seeing each other and talking. And I think when I do podcasts in person, which I'm really trying to prioritize, it just—everything's different. Yeah,
1: a better connection. Yeah. People can feel it, too, yeah. I
0: think. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why podcasts like Joe Rogan, Lex Friedman, you know, they—because every, everyone's like, I will fly wherever you are. Yeah. So please, if you're a guest on here, fly where I am. Um, I think it makes a huge difference.
1: Cool. I'm so glad you're doing it. You're finally filming your podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it makes such a difference because on YouTube, people actually consume podcasts on YouTube.
1: And also a lot of people are visual and they want to see true. what you look like.
0: <laughs> um All right. So where can people... First off, actually, let me close this out properly. Uh, thank you Thanks. for making this. Is time.
1: This is how we catch up now.
0: It's so good. We like booked <gasps> it as a catch up see, and we get I to see hang out Mark. all afternoon.
1: Mark is my... Canadian bestie. Great. I don't know that many people in Canada. But
0: so I'm not competing with many people is what she's saying. But I'll take the one out of one.
1: I see you like twice a year and usually one is work related.
0: That's <laughs> like true. Like this
1: podcast.
0: And you couldn't make our other event. You're the, ba- the parent blessing.
1: Blessing. I'm sorry I won't be there to recite a sonnet.
0: Do you have a sonnet written for me?
1: Mm. Feel like baby blessings have a lot of that.
0: You know what? I haven't been to one yet, mm-hmm. but I'll let you know if there's any sonnets.
1: I, I live in L.A. Topanga Canyon. It's very. I, is that it's very thing? specific? Is that a thing? It's pretty specific what they do. You, I mean, you. I'll, I'll look out for photos from yours.
0: Yeah, I think Kai is. We're pretty flexible on it. Um, <laughs> so, where can people find more of you and all your stuff?
1: For now, I'm on Instagram, C Chang and Co. I have a YouTube channel too. Just search.
0: Show we'll up, link it all out. Show
1: I don't. Yeah, show up with Christine. Ch- things are changing fast too. I just deleted one of my Instagram accounts, and that's a <laughs>
0: photography one, right?
1: No, no, no. I had a personal one. I felt like I, I, I had to put right my personal that. life separate from. Like I did what you did, you know. I'm like relationship stuff will be here. Photography will be here. Pete and my family and my dance videos will be here. And at first, I'm like, why? I totally overthought it. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Seriously, can I just put my dance videos on my other and account? And if you don't like it, then
0: get don't off the bus, follow. yo.
1: Yeah, that's what I It's funny, those stupid things that we overthink.
0: Yeah, and the fact that we think someone not agreeing or ideologically aligning or liking our dance video— like, I'll get messages, Is like, stay in your lane. It's like, yeah. it's my fucking Instagram. So just un- my un- fucking lane. Get unfollow. off the, get out of the car. Why are you even here? Just like, unfollow. you have a problem that you need to deal with from childhood where you think the world should be edited for you. That's not happening over here. Yes. So I think it is when we do that, we create the same idea, you know, that these need to live in separate places. God, the idea of like personal crossing over with brand. Well, personal is brand. Yeah. For, for us, yeah. yes.
1: So that's all. Not everything,
0: of course. Like your dad's biotech company <laughs> doesn't have your dad talking on the front of it, I guess.
1: And I do have a dad joke for you. What's do you your dad joke? Remember this for your kid. What do Winnie the Pooh and Alexander the Great have in common? What? Same middle name. Oh my
0: god, that's really bad. But I, <laughs> it's not horrible. No, it's horrible. But I will keep it. I love you. Thank you for coming on.
1: I love you.